Will you please stand for the call to worship? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yea, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Let us worship God. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. God's mercy is afresh for us every morning. 
Counting on that love and grace and mercy of the Lord, let us confess our sin together. Holy God, giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men and women through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We have belittled your love and betrayed your trust. We are sorry, we are ashamed, we repent all, all our sins. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and lead us out of darkness to walk as children of light. In Jesus' name, amen. As far the east is from the west, so far has God forgiven us from all our sins and made us anew. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As forgiven children of God, let us greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Good 
Welcome to worship this morning here at Church of the Palms. We are so thankful that we can be gathered together. It's always great to have this fixed point in our life this Sunday morning when we set aside all these things that concern us and make us anxious and gather together with God's people and are reminded to be in God's presence and to know that God's got some great things in store for us and for our lives. So we hope you'll find that experience here at Church of the Palms and that you'll find this to be a welcome place. We encourage you, if you are a visitor with us today, along with the rest of our congregation, to sign the friendship pads and we would love to know your name and perhaps continue a conversation with you after our service today. So please make a point to do that. Those are at the end of the pews and pass those along. We are, are grateful for the ministry of one of our staff uh, members, Megan Mooney, who has been a worship leader over in the garden for the last eight years. And this is her last Sunday. And so we will be praying for her and praying for that community as they go through a transition. Megan has just been a dear uh, spirit in our midst and we're thankful for her great leadership there. So if you happen to bump into her today, please let her know how much you're grateful for her ministry here at Church of the Palms. If you would open up your bulletins to page eight and nine, what you will find there uh, is um, a whole bunch of opportunities for you to be in ministry. This is uh, one of our, this is our mission page and it's a chance for you to think through all the different opportunities we have here this summer, including a blood drive, our food pantry, volunteer opportunities, our day of hope opportunity, which we have uh, coming up for us on July the 23rd, uh, summer tutoring, family promise, the Sarasota Young Voices, uh, summer camp, lots of things going on this summer, uh, this coming month especially, and we would love for you to help us out. So take note of those opportunities and find a way by which you can be supporting uh, our ongoing mission here at Church of the Palms. If you back up one page, you will look at page seven, and you will see there the names of uh, scores of our youth who are now coming forward and uh, we are delighted to be able to have the chance to commission them uh, on their mission trips over the course of three weeks here this summer. And Lori Haas is here to tell us a little bit about what that, those missions are all about as we commission them on their way. So if you look at all those names, you can see that we just have a remnant here because there are people on vacation and doing things as it is in the summer. But if you sponsored any child in student ministry, I say child, middle schoolers, high schoolers in student ministry, thank you so much. That's what paves the way that allows these kids to go out and be God's hands and feet in the world. And we are so grateful for you. Um, Tomorrow, the middle schoolers take off for um, Stetson for their mission trip there. Mid-July, our high schoolers and adults go to Atlanta for mission work in the city. And then we go to Nicaragua again the first week in August. So uh, thank you, thank you for your sponsorship. And gosh, we're so grateful for these kids who have answered God's call in their, in their heart. Okay, let us pray these good folks off into service and mission. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the good news that you are a God who is always in partnership with us. And we are thankful, Lord, that you have uh, placed in our hearts a yearning to serve your people. And we're thankful for these young folks who are uh, making this decision to go out into the four corners of the world and to be your light in the world and to show the world that there is a God of great love that is uh, so intent on serving those who are in need. And 
We pray, Lord, that you will just uh, guide them, fill them with your spirit, empower them, give them your light, allow them safety, bring them back to us so that they can tell us good news of the things that you're doing through them and in the world. And we pray, Lord, that they will be a blessing as we all yearn to be a blessing to the world that yearns to know of your grace and your mercy. So empower them and bless them on their way, for we pray it in Christ's name, amen. Give these folks a round of applause, yes. And we will continue our worship. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your presence. We don't have to ask you to be here among us. You're closer than breathing and nearer than hands and feet. We are so glad we don't talk into the air. You hear us, and if we ask anything according to your will, you do hear us, and if we know that you hear us, we have the petitions we desire of you. 
We don't want to ask anything outside of your will, and we don't want to ask just for selfish motives or personal desires, but we do want to know and live out your will as we understand it. So we thank the, you that you are with us, and we can be together in this house of yours with our brothers and sisters. We belong together, we're a part of each other, and we pray for one another. We know, Lord, that some of our brothers and sisters are carrying heavy burdens. Some of our people have had way more than their share of grief this week with de the demise of loved ones, and some have concerns hidden deeply in their hearts, and nobody on earth knows, and sometimes they think that nobody else cares. But you know all about it. You share the heartaches. So we ask that you will help each one to reach out to you because you are already reaching out to them and you want to meet their needs. Help them and each one of us to know that we can go away from this service with renewed strength and courage. We pray especially for the conditions of our world this day Many of us may have been affected by the events of the British exit in terms of our personal finances. And we just ask, Lord, that as we once again delve into what's important about following you, that the love of you and the secondary nature of our goods will be motivating and help us to carry through. Thank you for those who are helping us to do wonderful things in the future through open palms. Thank you for our missions effort, both locally and abroad. And as we anticipate opportunities this summer and fall and into the new year, we pray that we will heed your guidance. We'll view our church's future in the light of eternity and our positions, whether humble or recognized, as opportunities to serve you. Help us to make a positive impact disproportionate to our size, we pray, and help us to remember that our main task is to glorify you. We pray for our leaders, our troops, and Christians everywhere, but as we continue worship, we pray that your Holy Spirit will minister especially to those of us who are in this building and on television watching us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Some of you this uh, past week took me up on the offer to come and visit our campus this week as we experienced Vacation Bible School. And uh, it was certainly an amazing week where we had together uh, over 100 children and 80 volunteers, including 60 teens and 20 adults. 
Over 900 books were collected on behalf of Booker Elementary and Middle Schools, almost $400 collected to disperse to support uh, Booker students, and 175 child care packages enabled uh, that were assembled so that the Salvation Army could uh, continue its work with families and particularly children. A vacation Bible school is just another one of those examples in which what you do here uh, in worship on Sunday morning when that plate goes past you and you make a contribution, it results in that kind of thing. It results in the kind of work in which we get to come alongside of children and families and we get to support them, encourage them, and most of all, get to tell them about Jesus Christ who is the light of the world. So it was a great week. You'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment, in our children's moment, but we're grateful for your generosity as we continue to spread our mission across our community. Let's now continue our worship through the, through the presentation of our tithes, gifts, and offerings.
Let us pray. Thank you for the generosity of our people, Lord, as we see in these plates. Your generosity of the saints of the past enabled us to worship in this building. And we just pray that as we extend that feeling of outreach and giving, that it will be used to your glory. May our gifts be done in the wonderful confidence that you use them fully to your glory. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And now we have a group of wonderful kids coming down. All right. By Carol. <laughs> I have a few people with me today. We had a wonderful week at VBS. We had 120 campers. Come on up, guys. Hurry on up here. We want everybody to see your shirts. We learned a lot. Uh, I'm going to have some of my friends here sh show what we learned this week, that Jesus is the light of the world. Follow him. So I'm going to need your help. Whenever the kids tell you about what they learned, the Bible point, we're going to need you to say, follow him. Okay, come on up, guys. Hurry it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> come on up. It was a great week. Okay, Libby, you're good. Awesome. So, um, on the first day of VBS, we learned with the help of our pal Sal that Jesus gives us hope. Follow, Follow him. him. And on day two, we learned the Bible point with the help of our friend Martha, and we learned that Jesus gives us courage. Follow, Follow him. him. On day three, we learned the Bible point with our friend Radar the Bat, and we learned that Jesus gives us direction. Follow him. On day four, we learned the Bible point with our friend Olivia, and we learned that Jesus gives us love. Follow him. And on the last day of VBS, we learned that Jesus gives us his power. Yeah, follow him. Jesus is the
showing us that Jesus is truly the light of the world. Amen. Come on.
may be seated. We have been listening into the prayers of Israel this summer. In particular, we have been listening to the Psalms that we find in the book of Psalms, a variety of Psalms that guide us perhaps in our own prayer life. <clears throat> Mindful of the fact that our prayer life is a conversation with God and that in that conversation we may share words of lament or words of praise, words of thanksgiving, words of petition in which we uh, bring our honest hearts before God. Today we are in <clears throat> Psalm 16 in which the psalmist reflects upon his great praise and gratitude for what God not simply has done for him, but also mostly for how God is very present for him. So with that in mind, let us hear the words of the psalmist from Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. They drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. Oh, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. Bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you did not give me up to Sheol or lift your faithful ones, let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then from the New Testament almost another psalm that comes to us from Philippians chapter four. The apostle writes and says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. 
I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry of having plenty and of being in need. For I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these feeble words to come, to be instruments of your grace such that they might point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. William Broyles Jr. is a Hollywood screenwriter He has been involved in the writing of such movies as Apollo 13, Planet of the Apes, The Polar Express, and Saving Private Ryan. The other film to his credit is the movie Castaway. Some of you may recall the movie Castaway. It starred Tom Hanks as a man, Chuck Nolan, who survives a plane crash in the ocean and ends up on a deserted island, stranded there for four years to survive on his own with whatever he could eke out of this island. When Bill Broyles was preparing to write the screenplay for the movie, he decided to create his own castaway experience and found a remote beach out on the Gulf of California and spent a week mostly on his own trying to experience what it meant to be alone and to survive. And while he was doing this, lo and behold, a volleyball came floating onto the beach. Broyles grabbed it, held on to it, and after a while, after a few days, found himself relating to it and actually talking to it. It was, of course, the birth of Wilson the volleyball. If you've seen the film, you remember that Chuck Nolan recovers a volleyball that's drifted to shore, a Wilson volleyball, and after a while, he begins to treat the volleyball as an imaginary companion friend and actually calls him Wilson. He talks to it and sometimes even thinks, that Wilson is communicating back to him. It is, on one hand, a brilliant means by which to show how deeply relational every human being is. No man is an island. We desperately crave relationship, even if we have to make one up. But on the other hand, the movie suggests something that Chuck Nolan did not have, which was any sense of the existence of the presence of God. Losing his home, losing his family, losing all contact with the world, Chuck Nolan found himself truly alone in not having taken with him any understanding of the reality and presence of God. There is not in this story, there is no prayer of lament, no prayer of petition, no prayer of gratitude for having survived, no prayer at all because there is no God, no presence about him to which to relate. We will be blessed, will we not, if we do not have to live through four years on a deserted island or four weeks or four 
days, for that matter, four hours. It's likely you and I will never be tested to such extremes, stripped of all that we hold dear and left to ourselves, but to wonder about such an experience is to wonder about what our experience is today of the presence of God. If it would be our hope that if somehow we were left completely to ourselves, that we would draw upon the sustaining presence of God, and I suspect most of us would hope that for ourselves, the curious question might be, is how do we draw upon the sustaining presence of God now? Because, of course, what most of us have been taught since we were children is that the presence of God is not some kind of, you know, genie stuck inside some magic bottle awaiting our summons in order to come through for us with whatever we wish, but rather the presence of God is a reality embedded into every moment of every time into every time, your time, my time, this time, that time. God is in every moment of time. It's what we sing about when we sing those Christmas carols. We rejoice with the shepherds and the wise men to see that God has entered in flesh into human time or maybe to more accurately say it, we, we are reminded at Christmas that God has always been in every moment of time. It's what we sing about, it's what we tell ourselves, and it's most certainly what the psalmist tells himself when he writes, when he sings, when he prays, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I, I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You, O oh Lord, show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Lord is my portion. Words seemingly from a person whose aim and hope is to claim the sufficiency of the presence of God, who somehow is able to see that no matter what the time, no matter what the place, no matter what the circumstance, there is still the never-ending presence of God, that though all else might be stripped, there remains this sufficient portion, the presence of God, that God inhabits every moment, and if God is my chosen portion, then how could I be dissatisfied with anything else? Think of what that means for your life. Imagine the presence of God in every moment. Imagine that you don't have to conjure up the, the holy in order to find God present. Life is not some scavenger hunt for God. God is not some, in some hide-and-seek hiding place. Life is, to borrow from the phrase of our Brother Lawrence, the practicing of the presence of God. God is in this time. Funny, isn't it, how when we read the Bible or we look wistfully at the past, we somehow convince ourselves to think that somehow God was more present in some other time. 
Annie Dillard, one of my favorite writers, puts it this way, the absolute is available to everyone in every age. There was never a more holy age than ours, and never a less. There is no less holiness at this time than there was on the day that the Red Sea parted or that day in the 30th year when the heavens opened and Ezekiel saw visions of God. There is no less enlightenment under the tree at the end of your street than there was under Buddha's bow tree. There is no less might in heaven or on earth than there was the day that Jesus said, made arise to the centurion's daughter or the day that Peter walked on the water. In any instant, she writes, the sacred may wipe you with its finger. Don't you wonder about that when the Apostle Paul sits down to pen his letter to the Philippians? Paul writes this letter, of course, from jail. He writes this letter from imprisonment. It, it might have been a cell in which he resided, or it may have been that he was under house arrest, but he's locked up. He's isolated. He's been put out to pasture. He has been bound to a small boundary, cast away to a lonely island, and it's not the first time, right? He's, he's been bound before. He's been bound to prison cells before, and, and like Likely, as he writes to the Philippians, he remembers to that Philippian jail, the, the cell into which he had been thrown with Silas, and after they had been beaten, that little, what, maybe 10 by 10 cell that they resided in, shackled and going nowhere, no Wilson the volleyball to talk to. And Luke tells us that come midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. We know enough to know that when the New Testament figures prayed and sang hymns, they were likely praying and singing the Psalms. And, and, and maybe they were praying, Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He prepares before us a table in the presence of our enemies. Maybe, maybe they were praying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Maybe they're praying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Or maybe, maybe they're just praying, the Lord is my chosen portion. The boundary lines, oh, even the 10 by 10, boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. It explains, doesn't it, that when Paul, writing from prison, says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, Whatever is excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. Think about these things. In your own little cell, for God is in your heart and mind. And if God is in your heart and mind, then God is wherever your heart and mind might be. 
St. Patrick, no stranger to a prison cell himself, has attributed the prayer called St. Patrick's Breastplate, a portion of which is printed on the cover of your bulletin, is it as a staple of Celtic spirituality born in the islands of Ireland and Scotland. And Celtic spirituality, if it's anything, it is the trained awareness of the presence of God in every moment that the Trinity is not some philosophical or biblical category, but it is a deeply personal presence in every moment of time. We are surrounded and filled with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that presence of God is just as real today as it was in those cries of Bethlehem. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye of everyone who sees me, Christ in the ear of everyone who hears me. It is, I suppose, what the prison dweller Dietrich Bonhoeffer brought to mind as he sat in his own 10 by 10 cell, put there by the Nazis for resistance to Hitler and the Third Reich. In one of his own letters from prison to his good friend, he wrote, God must be recognized at the center of life now not only when we are at the end of our resources. It is God's will to be recognized now. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me. I think about this when I think back to the days when I was working in the inner city of Washington, D.C., and it was my job to work with the aging community in a very rough section of the city, 14th Street, which back then was the red light district. And I got to know in my days there a woman by the name of Johnny Hughes. Johnny Hughes was an older single woman, never married, who lived in a two-bedroom apartment, no family to care for her or to provide for her. She was reliant upon her paltry social security check, and that was about it. Her unair conditioned apartment had the basic furniture, kitchen table, a couple chairs, a bed, dresser, not much else. Johnny Hughes was the person I would make sure to visit at the end of a bad day walking the streets on those hot Washington summer days, having to face into some pretty tough situations, days when my soul would be cast down, I would look forward to ending up at Johnny Hughes' unair-conditioned apartment. She would pour me a glass of iced tea and find some store-bought cookies, put them on a paper plate and push them in front of me. And then in her gentle, gentle way, fanning herself with her hand fan, she would talk to me about how she had seen God that day, how she had heard God in the early morning when the bird songs came through the open window, 
how she saw God and the kids playing in the street, how she read about God in the Bible that was open on her kitchen table, how she praised God remembering the sermon that she had heard from the preacher last Sunday, how she had found God in the next door neighbor who helped her down the steps, how she thanked God that the pain in her knee wasn't worse than it was. When I walked into Johnny Hughes' little cell, I walked onto holy ground, God at the center of life. No less holiness here than in the parting of the Red Sea. The Lord, her portion. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. There was a time when I thought that that was just the prayer of a lucky man. You know, the guy who was just fortunate enough to have things go his way and provide for himself some nice things. But God doesn't work that way. God isn't where the beauty is. Beauty is where God is. In your presence, O oh God, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.